Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Mogg, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as comedian, writer, sheep wrangler and host of Can You Take This Photo, Please? My new stand-up show is called Snacks. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Justin Hamilton. I should change that handle because the new show is called Hoot. Uh, and that's not your fault. Like, I haven't that's changed it. That's just where it. it's at. Well, it's, it hasn't become, uh, I guess, are things on sale yet? I think things become official in your head when you know they're on sale. Yeah. So uh, by the time people hear this, it will be Hoot. Uh, and Snacks was the 2015 show. Vale but, Snacks. Sorry, Vale. Oh, I know. What well, I had a fun time with snacks. Actually, that was a that was a good year. So uh, hopefully, Hoot will uh, not let down snacks. <laughs> I'm having giggle and Hoot flashbacks. <laughs> In social settings, how do you introduce yourself, Justin? Uh, I just introduce myself as Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean like how do I introduce? Like when people ask what I do? Yes. Um. I guess, I didn't know if you meant, you know, you know, some people will kind of walk up to you and you'll meet them and, oh, uh, yeah. hi, I'm, I'm uh, Gary Cardboard and I'm uh, an accountant. You go, oh, okay, that's a, that's a lot of information. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I'll say I'm a comedian. Yeah. You know, sometimes in a taxi or an, or an Uber, mm. there's, a, there's, there's always a moment of hesitation because you don't know what you're going to get. Like I've been, yeah. I've been burnt in the past with... Uh, you know, some poor bastard who decides to share a joke with you that oh, they think that yes. you can use. And invariably, sometimes they're funny. Mm. Like, I don't want to say they're never funny. Sometimes they are funny. Sometimes they're not funny. And then within the sometimes of not funny, sometimes they're just a bit lame, but that's all right. Yeah. But sometimes they are the worst things you've ever heard come out of another person's mouth <laughs> and it just makes you sad for the rest of the trip. Yes. So it can be a bit of a tough one. Or sometimes... Uh, you know, sometimes it can get a little bit antagonistic, actually. Yeah. Sometimes a taxi driver, or people in general, can be a little bit like, oh, why haven't I heard of you? I've had that on radio. I had that on a Perth radio. What? Uh, th- th- this was a couple of years ago. And uh, I think it was like a community radio thing. You know, you, you do you do the rounds when you're going over. Yeah. And uh, they gave it a bit of... Um, so it says you've done this, 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 and this. Why haven't I heard of you? And I said, I don't know. Maybe you haven't been paying enough attention. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, but I'm happy to be on your show. Like, Jesus Christ. When I was younger, I used to be really polite. I used to be, oh, no, well, you know, like, I just get around and I'm like... But now, 21 years into it, it's like, ah, oh, if you're going to be rude, I'll call you on it. Yeah. Yeah. There are some things, uh, like I, I remember fondly my grandparents who, as a child, mm. they took a lot of my crap. Oh, yeah. Good grandparents. Mm. Yeah. As I grew up a little bit and became sort of the teenager, and I was always very respectful around my grandparents as yep. I had been raised, they weren't taking so much of my crap. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It is good. And I think yeah. that that's something that as I age, 
Yeah. I'm going to make sure I meet her out on my kids. Yeah. For sure. Well, you know what it is, is that they were probably, you know, like, you know, you're probably being a bit cheeky, etc. when you mm. were a kid. And then when you get older, they, they were doing the right thing by you because they couldn't allow you to keep getting away with that because then you would have been one of those assholes that hosted a podcast where you would have had me on and gone, <laughs> you've done this, 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 this and this and why haven't I heard of you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how am I? 21 years in comedy is a long time. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, it's 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 really crazy to me. And, you know, I can... Like, I'm not saying I can remember it exactly, but I can kind of remember that first gig. And yeah. I can remember the lead-up, actually. That's really interesting. I can, re- I can remember the lead-up because I find that, for the most part, my nerves... If I have them, even now, if I have my nerves kind of kick in, it's usually in the lead up, which means you can still get out of it. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. when you when you can still bail on it, that's when you're really nervous. Mm. And then when it's just going to happen, oh, there's yeah. no time to be nervous. <laughs> and because and, and, I we've talked before, I started off in a duo, and my friend Damien. Uh, he was really cool in the lead-up. He was just like, hey, man, everything will be fine. What yeah. are you worried about? And then on the night, we switched hats. And he was really <laughs> nervous. He was having a smoke and his hands were shaking. And I was just a little bit, oh, God, well, this is going to happen. We might as well just go go through with it. So, But that's that's followed me through even now. But, um, yeah, 21 years, it, it's so weird, isn't it? Because it, like, I don't really feel like I get told off by some of my younger friends for saying, you always go on about your age. Mm. Oh, you're always talking about being in your 40s. Uh, but to be honest, it's, it's, it's more a, a comedic crutch, like mm. even when I'm hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Because what they don't understand is that I'm fucking in my 40s, hanging out with people <laughs> in their 20s. Like, that's weird, you know? Uh, but the, what happens in the comedy industry is you start off with your friends mm. and then everyone becomes headliners and then you never see your friends again. Like, your, your close friends, course, that is. Yeah. So then you're performing with uh, younger people who are emceeing or, or uh, you know, doing the open mic spots mm. or the support spots. So invariably, you're having a really nice time and two things will happen. One is they want to continue drinking and you know that if you have one more drink, you're going to be on a heart bum machine for the next <laughs> two years. And secondly... And it's not their fault and it's not looking down on them in any way. But they will say things that you went through two decades before mm. or and subsequently have seen a couple of other generations go through and you're always reminded. But the main thing for me is I consistently forget that I'm 43. Like consistently. Mm. Like I – because, you know, like I'm still out and about. I'm still out at night doing gigs. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, – Invariably, when I catch up with my grown-up friends who are my age, you know, and they've got all these grown-up problems, etc., and then, you know, sometimes it can make you feel a little bit guilty because they're Mm. trying to put together mortgages and they're trying to raise kids and they're, you know, they're doing a really good job of it and then they'll say, what have you been up to? And I'll say, oh, man, you know, just had like a really, you know, weird situation where I had to fly to Perth. And then the next weekend I was in Brisbane. And the week after that I was in Darwin. And then from Darwin I flew to Sydney. And it's like, oh, man, you know, it really tires you out. And they're looking at you as if to say, you asshole, I haven't caught a plane in three years because I'm raising these kids. So, you know, it's – and then a lot of my interests, like I still have I still have young man's passion. Yeah. 
you know, when I, I think I uh, I ad libbed on stage the other night, and I'll have to remember this as a uh, I might keep this, but I said when I like something, I fucking like it. When I fucking like it, I love it. And when I love it, I fucking love it. When I fucking love it, that's usually when I get arrested. But <laughs> <laughs> but I do like when I'm. I still have like when I'm into something, I'm totally into it. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. Anyway, it's 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 just weird and it's funny and it's and also remember. Remember when we were younger? Mm. Like you're a bit younger. How old are you again? Forty two. Forty two. Yeah. All right. So, so we can say remember when we were like eighteen, nineteen, looking at a lot yeah. of people in their forties and fifties. They did not look like us. Like think about think about Peter Capaldi compared to William Hartnell. Yes. As the, and what are they? The same age or a year difference or something? Well, yeah, best. Crazy like that, right? But it, you know, better living. Uh, conditions and yes. you know just being more aware of stuff and uh, you know so it, getting to forty three it's 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 really it's really easy to still be an idiot man child. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Did you feel a bit like I look? These people have been annoying me, and and by the way, by the time this comes out, it will already have been out. So some of these people are annoying me. Yes. But if you're, you know, we're in a safe space here. Yes. Like. I, I'm not really the biggest Star Wars fan of the world. I think I, I, there's a couple of the movies I like. Yeah. There's one or two that I think are fine, and there's two that I hate. So, and, you know, and but to be honest, with the teaser, I thought, oh, that's a really good teaser. Mm. And then the first trailer came out, I went, oh, older Han Solo kind of gave me the chills. And then in the mm. latest trailer when it came out, when he kind of, you know, Han, who when, we, when I first met him as a five-year, when I was five or yeah. six, you know, thought that, Jedi powers were hocus pocus, and there yes. he is telling this younger generation that those myths were true. And you just go, ah, oh, like it kind of gets you in a place because <laughs> it's not, it's not just that Han Solo's older; it's Harrison Ford is older, mm. and not only is Harrison Ford older, you're fucking older as well. Mm. And so it kind of hits you on a lot of levels, and you get that, you know, you you have that emotional response to it. And mm. I'm, I would hazard a guess that there is a lot of people, a lot of men our age who are proper grown-ups who, if we said that to them, would just say, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm trying to pay a mortgage. I'm trying to pay off a car. I've got to pay for the braces on my kid. Do you know how much braces cost? And I was like, I don't know. Something. Something. <laughs> I bet it's expensive. Yes. It's, it's probably a lot more than the amount of times I'm going to pay to see Star Wars. <laughs> and I'll probably see it stacks of heaps of times. Oh, I have big plans. <laughs> big plans. <laughs> somebody, somebody asked me the other day, am I excited about Star Wars? And I said, I am vibrating on such a level that I'm attracting dogs. Yeah, right. You're about to go through to another dimension and meet Jay Garrick. That's yeah. what you're going to do. You're going to be the Mulk of two worlds. <laughs> How's that for a nerdy reference, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> Settle in, people. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> Hamo, what for you is a source of strength? Ah, that's an interesting question. What a good question. What is a source of strength? Um, That's interesting. Well, on a, uh, you know, like on a very realistic level, I guess on a very, uh, maybe a practical level. Mm. And I think I've come around to this more in the last couple of years and I, I guess this is maturity and I guess this is uh, comfort I guess but I would say my mum I think mm. my mum's a source of strength 
you know, she's a, a cracking person. And in the last, you know, I feel like in the last year to 18 months, I feel like about two years ago, I realized I didn't turn to her enough. And then in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, you know, when I've had stuff to talk about and and work through, uh, I've been turning to her a lot more. And I think that has been, I think that's been beneficial both ways so so i I would i would definitely say so on on that level i would say mum uh i think on a i think on a uh creative level it is the artists that i am inspired by so you know uh you know there was some stuff going on recently where i had to make a big decision and uh, uh, and well, basically, like, we can talk about it. Yeah. I was offered an opportunity to go and work on Rove McManus's breakfast show Excellent. in Sydney, and uh, Rove is a cracking bloke. Mm. And I was feeling a bit flat in Melbourne. I, I love Melbourne, I, and I have I have embraced living in Melbourne. And uh, like like my heart still belongs to Adelaide, but you know, I, I felt Melbourne felt like a real kind of where I wanted to be as a grown up. Yeah. But after thirteen years, uh, I was feeling a bit stale. By the way, this might not be what anyone else was thinking, but this is definitely what I was feeling. Uh, I was feeling a little bit taken for granted to a certain extent in, mm-hmm. in a few areas, and and it was i felt like i was just a little bit more oh yeah yeah oh look hamo's here doing some more work etc blah 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 and uh, when this opportunity came along it was like uh, oh okay yeah well you know uh rove is a cracking human being mm-hmm. and it would be nice to uh be writing for someone and not thinking about my voice uh, like i've done for the last 21 yeah. years and here's an opportunity to you know change the scenery and Sydney's a, a happening town yes. like I'd hate for people to be listening to this because this is coming out a couple of months after I've started the job and something's gone horribly pear-shaped and I was found I was found with a meth addiction walking around King's Cross yelling out I was meant to be the new Peter Hellier fuck you Rose fuck you anyway he's hoping that didn't happen alternate universes thanks Marty <laughs> yeah exactly right so anyway um uh and so, you know, there was a lot, but it, it happened very quickly. Mm. And I went down to, uh, I, funnily enough, my mum flew over to Melbourne and uh, I took her to see the Bowie exhibition because mum took me to Christ. see Bowie in 1983. And, uh, Your mum rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrea's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, while I was walking around, and I've seen the exhibition, <laughs> I saw the exhibition in Berlin and that was my <laughs> third time in Melbourne. So, you know, I'm like a Catholic who can't stay away from the Vatican. <laughs> and so... But looking around at all the stuff that he'd created and, you know, looking at lyrics and, you know, certain sections of it where he's talking about the creative process and then and then looking at the costumes and watching the film clips and it was kind of a reminder of, oh, yeah, that's why, like, that's why I got into this because I was inspired by people like that. Yeah. I was inspired by... You know, I was, uh, you know, as a youngster, I was inspired by Spielberg and Copler and, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in the comics world, I was inspired by heavily by Grant Morrison mm. uh, and, you know, of course, uh, Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman, Pete Milligan and all of those types of, uh, you know, Warren Ellis, all of those guys. And sometimes when I, I think you hit a bit of a creative dead end, you can... Uh, 
uh, it's good to go back to those loves and just be reminded of why you got into it. And uh, I find that a a source of strength as well. Um, Spiritually, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, You know, that that, that has been uh, a, a wrestle for probably most of my life because I'm an atheist and uh, and a staunch atheist. So spiritually you have to you have to there's I find that there's nothing to look towards. You have to find it in yourself and if your self-esteem is low, you might struggle with it. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's an ongoing battle to be honest and sometimes sometimes you can really be I uh, you know what, what, I'm not quite. I can't quite think of the quote, but the the life unexamined is half lived, or something along those yeah. lines. I'm 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 butchering that quote. Um, so I've always believed that, and I've tried to, I've tried to be, uh, I've tried to be a good person, and sometimes I've failed, and sometimes I haven't quite hit the mark, or sometimes through trying to be, you know too altruistic you can actually do more damage and that kind of thing yes. but uh i think that battle is definitely a, a one that is uh sometimes it can be tough but i think it's worthy definitely yeah the move to sydney mm. is one that you've had to make fairly quickly oh yeah uh and represents a big shift for you while you it doesn't stop you doing stand-up in mm. fact probably opens up uh you know a bit of a different vibe for you there sydney's got lots of great spaces that are yeah, well, you know what's good is like uh, because it's expensive. Uh, it is <laughs> yes. like it's, it's an expensive town. So when you go up, you you do the big rooms or you do the big shows because mm. they they can pay you. But it'll be nice to like I'm like I used to perform at the Friend in Hand all the time, and I yeah. think I've only performed there once in the last five or six years. And so you know if uh, if those guys will have me, and uh, I've, I've heard uh, there's a good room in Surrey Hills. Like I'm I'm looking forward to being able to uh, you know hopefully get to a situation where you can just drop in and just you know do five to seven and just work on some new and you know flex some different muscles in a different place but you were a busy dude before right now yeah. you've just got effect a full-time job yeah and your full-time comedy career yeah and then any other personal interests you choose to have yeah well done on creating that replicating machine <laughs> yeah that's that's actually the next thing <laughs> Thank God I'm single. Thank God I'm single because I think my partner was about to get angry. Of course, as I said, this is being recorded well before it comes out. So if you found out that I was walking around King's Cross with a meth addiction and a, a girlfriend that I should not have been hanging out with, you know, <laughs> yelling out, I was meant to be the next Peter Hellier. And why would you introduce me to this woman, Rove? <laughs> I'm going to blame Rove for everything. I think that's not an unreasonable thing. <laughs> In that light, Hamo, mm. what happened last time your heart was broken? Oh, what did happen? What do you... I don't know. There's varying degrees of a broken heart, isn't there? Yes. There are... You know, there are... I have been someone who, in the past, can be can be a little bit easily injured. And it's... A, I, I think it's a... It's it's a it's a flaw. It's a it's a, it's and it's a flaw I've been working on. Um, if you want to just go relationship wise, mm. you know I don't think you ever really get over your first breakup. Your first breakup is such a hard one to comprehend because you you always enter that first relationship with so much naivety mm. and and optimism, 
and you don't have any of the skills for to to really understand how it can turn horribly pear shaped. Yeah. And unfortunately, having never married over the years, like I've had times of being in long term relationships. I've yeah. also had times of being single, mm. and I think as I've gotten older, the the you know you 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 recognise the stages that you know for for a while there I used to think oh well that's not such a bad thing you know you it yeah. doesn't work out you feel bad you do this you do that you hit that point you make that mistake you eat that food yeah you, you drink that drink you're at that bar mm-hmm. and then you go oh right okay it's Thursday all right um uh, they're the twelve steps and I'm back on track <laughs> yes but um I think that's um that that way of thinking uh, kind of comes back to bite you after a while because what you do is you don't really experience what you're going through. You're not you're not really dealing with the emotions. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that first heart, heartbreak it's such a such a melodramatic feeling, isn't it? Like yeah. it's the end of the world, and I'm never going to be able to move forward. And you know, you you, you really listen to shit house music, <laughs> and every lyric reminds you oh, of her. Yeah. And oh no, not necessarily shit house music. Sometimes you listen to really good music, but every little lyric reminds you of her, and and you you keep playing it out in your head. How could I have made this better? How could I have made that better? What what did I do wrong? Uh, you know. But then, uh, but then over the time, those those heartbreaks are. You know, I I I feel like I have, uh, you know, I I have, I feel like I've had retrospective regret with some of the relationships that haven't worked out, not because of anything so terrible, but just knowing that I was at the time not as present as I thought I was, mm. and if I had been more present, I would have been uh, more across the the potential to, uh, you know, hurt someone and in the process also be hurt. Uh, because you put up the barriers, sometimes mm. when you're being hurt, you, you just, like, you almost would shut down. Yeah. Like, you'd just not deal with it. And because you wouldn't deal with it, then in turn you would do something that would be hurtful. And yeah. it's, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't deliberate. But uh, I, I think the last time that truly... Uh, that my heart sort of broke, I guess, was uh, when a friend died about six years ago, and it was really, it was really sudden, and it was really unexpected, and uh, and 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 that's the the period that I'm really thinking of. Mm. Uh, you know, a friend died suddenly. I had another friend who committed suicide. I, I had another person that I was friendly with. I wouldn't pretend that I was close with this person, but they committed suicide. And it was all in a very short amount of time, and. You, uh, you you go through that process and uh, I don't think I, you know, like I was really good at helping everyone else out and I kind of forgot to take time for me. And so it's only been in the last six to seven months that I've been looking back on that time and really processing exactly how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. So I would say, I would say that was... That was the last time emotionally. Sometimes you get your heart broken with your career. Yep. You know, sometimes your career can break your heart. Sometimes when you know that there's other people making decisions and they're on a whim, 
Yeah. You, you, you know, uh, you, we've already got someone on who's got glasses or, you know, uh, yes. you know, uh, we've already done this or uh, we've already done that or or someone who promises you the world. Oh, yeah, this, mm. we're, we're so happy with this. We're going to be doing this, 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 this. And then that never happens. That can break your heart as well. Uh, but uh, and, and the trick to that is um, be engaged with it enough that you understand what's going on but don't be too engaged that you, you become bitter because you don't want to become bitter for so many reasons but bitterness also stifles creativity and yes. the reason you got into this was to be creative so why why allow that idiot over there to mm. ruin the things that you would like to say at some point in the future do you find that your job is talking into a stick that makes your words go big mm that can help you process that sometimes or is that sometimes. you've got to be wary about what I say? You know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Like uh, sometimes it's great, you know, you can really kind of talk through some shit mm. on stage and it's almost like at the end of it you think, fuck, I should pay all of you $150 <laughs> for that hour. Uh, you have collectively been an, an uber therapist. But also the other, the, the flip side to that is sometimes you can talk about something for too long and... You know, because it becomes a funny routine. Yeah. Because it becomes a funny routine, you keep doing it and you put it in a show and then you perform it 30 or 40, 50, 60 times throughout the festivals yeah. and then that's not including all the other gigs. Like, at this point, and it's, uh, what is it, it's uh, towards the end of October, I've done a, uh, and I only know this because of the blogs that I write, I'm up to gig 178 tonight. Gosh. So if I have maybe, maybe, like, say I had... Uh, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but if if I had something bad that happened to me that I turned into a good routine that was getting laughs, mm. there's a possibility I this year could have said it between 50 and 60 times on stage oh. at least. And sometimes that can make it worse because it yeah. becomes your reality. Yeah. So I think you have to really find the balance with that kind of stuff. How many times have you met a comedian and, uh, you know, they're, they're a cracking guy or girl, mm. but at some point they've started to become the myth that they portray on stage. And that mm. is the last thing that I want to do because that gives a very skewed look at the world. Like, you know, yes. I don't feel... I, I do not feel bad in saying this, but, you know... Personally, I like this guy a lot. Mm. Uh, like you know, and I consider him to be a close friend. But the myth of Greg Fleet has possibly, and I'm not saying, you know, addiction's a terrible thing to deal with. Yeah. But has possibly at points hindered any hope of recovery because he's fleeting. Yeah. And Fleety can own that shit, and he can write a book about it, and he can talk about it on stage, and he's so naturally charismatic and funny and fun. Like he's fun mm. that. You know, he gets away with a lot more than you and I. Yeah. And we all, and we accept him for his flaws. But so, maybe it would have been good if he wasn't believing that myth so much. Mm. And then maybe we wouldn't have bought into it. Then, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, he could have gotten on top of it at some point. I'm not saying that's, uh, I'm also simplifying, you know, addiction. Yes. But, you know, that's how I kind of feel about being able to walk away from the stage and you know like I, you know, mm. like when we hang out you know I like to crack jokes and piss fart yes. about and be a dickhead but it's I, w I would hope and I, I'm sure that I have failed at times but I would hope it's not like the idiot you see on stage yes 
I'm, and I'm seeing that more and more these days that the, mm. the comedians are more aware mm. of their, if I call it their stage persona mm. versus their real human person. Yeah. And there's stuff that, you know, they'll react a specific way on stage or they'll, you know, they've, they've got those touch points of, right, this year, mm. these things have got me riled or will upset me. Mm. And off stage, they're whatever, you know, it's something, something, it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that And, and that I think is... An interesting kind of uh, air in it, particularly Australian comedy mm. and the style, the fact that there's so much work put in by Aussies around the comedy scene in that you know, new shows every year and all of yeah. that sort of stuff, that it allows it to, to be, um, I guess, evolutionary. Yeah. I, I think it's also difficult for younger comics as well. And I always, oh, gosh, I always fear for... I always fear for the new comic that's coming through that's really kicking goals that everyone out of nowhere starts deciding is the bee's knees because mm. the industry will tell you you're the bee's knees and blow sunshine up your ass and uh, and then someone else will come along and you know maybe you'll kick on and you'll still be respected and sometimes you can be left hanging yes. and uh, I often I often worry about the younger guys and girls who get that sunshine blown up their ass and then there's no one around to kind of help mould it into a shape that they can feel comfortable with it and feel inspired and feel good but aren't going to be left hanging if everyone moves on. Yeah. That's that's really insightful, Uh, Justin. (laughs) Yeah, I do worry about that stuff though. You know, it's like, um, you know, like, well, you know, someone like... um, Corey White, like I, yes. I've got so much affection for that kid because I, I saw him when he first started and then he disappeared and then when he came back, you know, he's really dealt with some really heinous shit in his mm. life and he's become a, a cracking comic and it's, it's really inspiring to see what he's done and he's had a lot of great stuff said to him. Now, I think, I think Corey's got his head on right but you know, like I, I hope there's people that are closer to him than me who uh, just, you know, just being there for him in the quieter moments and, mm. and uh, you know it's all great while the spotlight is on you and you know you can deal with this stuff but I just hope there's some people doing the right thing by him and uh, giving him the the support for you know those times when you know uh, the people that think you're great aren't around yeah yes what's the hardest truth you've had to deliver Ooh. uh You know, I think uh, I think the hardest, I think sometimes the hardest truth to deliver is explaining to someone that you're not infallible and that you, you know that mm. you're not great, that you know that you do make mistakes, and sometimes people really look up to you and and they really believe in you, and it's it's a very important thing to get sorted mm-hmm. early because that way leads to disappointment, and so it's it's difficult to. Uh, you know, because it's nice to have people look up to you. It's yeah. nice to have people think that you're that you're awesome. Um, but trying to explain to them that uh, you know that you have failed and at times you will fail, but you know you you'll also try to do your best to you know recover from something like that. Uh, you know that is a that that's a difficult thing. That's that's very inward looking. Outward yeah. looking is. When someone is just, when someone's in a bad place, mm. but they're not 
doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we all we all let our friends get shit off their chest and yeah. sit there and, and you know, like I'll gladly hear someone say the sixth or seventh or eighth story in a row about someone or something that's driving them mental. Yeah. Uh, but there is a point, and I don't know if I've mastered this, and sometimes I think I might get it right and sometimes I think I let it go too long, but sometimes you need to say to someone, uh, you're being a bit mental. <laughs> You know, you need to yeah, yeah. you need to let that go, and there's there's nice ways to say it, but um, you know that's a really hard thing to say to someone, uh, especially when they're in a in a bit of a downward spiral. But so, if you're smart about it and you do it the right way, you you can you can help pull them out quicker. Yeah. But it's a it's a tricky one to get right, and so therefore it's difficult. It's difficult to know when is the time to sort of say, "Hey, I understand everything you've gone through." But now is the time to let it go. Yeah, that is that is very tough. Yeah, because you know, like, also, who are you to say when that is? But mm. but if you're hopefully, if your empathy is at the right point, you might be able to, you know, deliver it in a, in a way that really helps them. And you also have to be prepared to have them turn on you at that point, and then hopefully, you know, you have to weather it. Like if you yeah. say, "Hey, you've got to let that go," and they turn on you. You you have to be strong enough to to just take it yep. and know that it's the shit that they're dealing with, and then be there for them when uh, when they come around. Yes, yeah, or maybe much. walk away. Yeah, and that's that can be a really tough call. Uh, it's the worst. It's the worst. You know, especially as you get older. Yeah, growing up sucks. Oh, it's the fucking balls. <laughs> well, I, I kind of there's, there's 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 aspects to it that I really enjoy. Mm. Tell you what, though, I hate it when I walk from one side of the stage to the other and I think, fuck, I wouldn't mind having a rest. <laughs> t- you know me, I talk quickly on stage. This yeah. is a disaster. I've got to get that aerobic uh, exercise in. <laughs> get some good cardio going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, that is interesting. What am I going to achieve in the next 12 months? Well, you know, uh, this year... Uh, I said to, <laughs> funnily enough, uh, I said to my management at the start of this year, I don't care about anything. I'm working on myself uh, personally and just get me gigs. Yep. Just get me gigs. I don't want to hear about TV. I don't want to hear about radio. I don't want to hear about possible projects. I have no interest whatsoever. I don't want to sit down with anyone. I don't want to have anyone pitch anything to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going off on my own little quest. And that, and, and that came from uh, when I was uh, in my early 30s. Um, uh, like I'm good friends with Richard Feidler. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richard took me aside and uh, he said to me, he he promised me because he was he's a little bit older than me and he was in his uh, I think he's forty or early early forties at the time and he said to me uh, promise me you keep an eye on your mental health as a man when you hit your early forties mm. and and the mental health of your friends because um, he'd had two close male friends who had uh, yeah. had uh, committed suicide and he he got me to promise him and of course I did because it's it's Richard and mm. I really took that to heart and then I noticed in my early forties. I think, I'm not saying this is definitely it, but I think what he was talking about was I felt like I started being treated as if I no longer had potential, mm. and which is ridiculous, but that's how I felt like I was being treated. And then I suddenly understood that if you feel like you're being treated as if you no longer have potential, then why would you stick around? 
Now, I'm not saying I was suicidal by any stretch of yeah, the means, yeah. but I'm just saying I understood the thought process. So, uh, so this year I just took stock of that and uh, really started working on myself. Uh, uh, like I went into therapy for the first time uh, in the uh, early part of 2015 just to kind of get another opinion, just kind of get on top of some things. And it's it's been pretty amazing. Uh, you know, there was a, definitely a period where you really bottom out and, you know, you're looking at your... your behavior and your the reason that you do things and why you do things and you have to kind of pull yourself apart to such an extent and then you start rebuilding yourself but I found towards the end of this year that uh, things were starting to pick up and then funnily enough the the, the rove offer came around mm. just at the, the right time you know if I was a little bit more you know uh into incense and star signs and that I'd say, oh, the cosmos opened up to me because I opened up my heart. But, you know, in, in, in a way like that, that's just more, you know, maybe that is true as a metaphor. Mm. And uh, so what I'm hoping for in the next 12 months is to get back on track with the things that I was interested in all my life and creating in that field. There's a, I've got a, a few ideas that uh, I really want to get back to, and I don't know. Uh, there's a, there's a there's a play that I've uh, started working on, and there's um uh, there's a there's a pretty crazy stand up idea that I think that I would like to tackle again. I, I want to have fun with Hoot. Uh, Snacks and Hoot were very much, you know, uh, if I would say. Uh, I'm hoping that Snacks was my Let's Dance and I'm hoping that <laughs> Hoot is a combination of the better songs of Tonight and Never Let Me Down. Good nice. Bowie metaphor there Excellent. for the for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's got a bit of, you know, loving the alien on it, you know, oh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, and I just wanted them to be fun shows. The, you know, like I've, I've loved doing the podcast, but the, the, the podcast feels... Everything to me feels like it needs to evolve. I, mm. I can't just keep doing the same thing uh, because boredom leads to uh, things just, I don't know, becoming stagnant. And, yeah. you know, why why do you keep doing the same thing if you haven't learned anything new from it? So what I hope in the next 12 months is that I produce some new and interesting work in a in maybe some different formats and that the work that I am producing has changed and taken on a new feel. Like I don't quite know what the podcast will be. Maybe it will be a seasonal podcast. Mm. Maybe it will become uh, just a live show. Uh, so, you know, just from, from an artistic point of view, just to continue to evolve. And I guess uh, personally, uh, you know, uh, there's... I think there is uh, – I would like to find some calmness and uh, some equilibrium in in my life and just kind of get that balance uh, back in check just so that I'm open to new ideas and also, uh, you know, I'm 100% this guy at his best for yeah. everyone that I'm close to and that I love. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for sharing that stuff that, that you have with us. It's, it's it's very important. You're highly valued. Oh, um, you know, like it's it, you, who knows? It's it's funny, but perception is 
you know, it's such a funny thing. Like, you, you, your perception can, for, for whatever weird reason, mm. can really warp things. And uh, as, as I said, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I've noticed with a lot of my male friends in all walks of life who are around our age, there is this, uh, you know, there is this weird... It's just a weird buzz. There's a weird, mm. uh, uh, you know, like luckily from you, the, the the buzz I'm getting is just the Star Wars excitement. <laughs> but the uh, but there's just this weird kind of uh, tone in the frequency, and uh, uh, I'll I've always loved Fidelet, but you know it's probably the closest I've had to a consistent male role model in my life. But I'll always I'll I'll always be so grateful to him for taking the time to take me aside to give me that information because uh you know I'm not saying I would be in a in a terrible place or a bad place but I I I definitely think I would have struggled to be in the place that I would like to be without that yeah it's it's super important too yeah yeah got to you know um Try to be aware as much as you can, and if you can kind of work out the the motivations for your for your actions and uh, yeah. why you think the way you do, and uh, and and what you want to achieve, you know, you want to, you know, I know it's seven years away, but when I hit fifty, I want to be, I want to be at rocking fifty, mm. you know, like you want to, you want to be fucking Brad Pitt, George Clooney, fifty, you yes. know, God, yes, yeah, you know, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to look. You want to be a, a good example of someone who's getting older. Yep. Yeah. I'll be happy with John Candy 50. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, John Candy. Have you ever heard that cracking John Candy story about um, Joe Montana? Have you ever heard no. that story? It's a great story. Joe Montana, who played uh, for the San Francisco 49, that's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, mm. uh, playing in the Super Bowl. I don't know, it, you know, as far as stories go, this might be apocrypha, but I love it so much and I just choose to believe that it's 100% on the money. <laughs> sure. And I don't need anyone to... Like, I would hate to meet Joe Montana and... I actually would if if I met him, I would be rapt to meet him, but I would never bring up this story in the off chance. He said, "Well, it didn't happen quite like that." Yeah. Because yeah. it's like when you heard uh, when Steve War said that he didn't go over to Hansi Cronje, or no, it wasn't Cronje. When it was a who was the South African cricketer who when he dropped him on fifty two oh, or something when I was like, you just dropped, dropped the, World the World Cup, Cup and you loved it because it wasn't even the semis; it was just the still the rounds, yeah, you yeah. know. And he said, oh, "It didn't happen like that." So, oh, don't ruin the myth. But anyway, Joe Montana in the in the I think it was his third Super Bowl uh, and they were they were down by a certain amount of points and it was the big drive mm. and it's the classic drive which they went from one end of the field to the other and they ended up winning the game and he was the he was the ringmaster of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they called a huddle, and while they were, everyone's freaking out, and people are cheering, and that Joe Montana's so cool, he turns around to his teammates and says, "Hey, look up there, is that John Candy?" <laughs> and they're all looking up and go, "Yeah, I reckon that's John Candy." Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Anyway, we'll run a play fifty six or something <laughs> like that, and then just goes back to the greatest drive of all time. <laughs> And uh, I, I hope John Candy heard that story because I would mm. love to think that, you know, you were watching that and John Candy was, you know, imagine you've heard, he saw me, like yeah. I'd be wrapped too. In the midst of all that pressure. <laughs> all of that. He's looking up there and thinking, fuck, it's Uncle Buck. Oh, God, yes. It's um, uh, the guy from Stripes. Right. Oh, man. I know. So, mother. Mother. Yeah, so good. <sighs> Thank you again. Hello. No worries. This has Thank been you. a wonderful chat. Now, obviously, you're on Twitter. 
Yes. Is there any other social accounts you want to own up to? Uh, so it's uh, Justin Hamilton underscore on Twitter, and you can find me on uh, Facebook. I've got an official page, mm-hmm. and uh, the Can You Take This Photo Please official page. I have a Tumblr account, which that's something that I will hope to have updated recently. I was having a lot of fun with it, but I just kind of lost time with it, and it's called uh, I'm Into It. Yep. And it says, when, I, when, when I'm into it, I'm fucking into it. And, uh, oh no, hang on. It says, when I love it, I fucking love it. So, which ties into something that I said earlier. And uh, I, I just put up, I was having so much fun just putting up random things that I love. Yeah. Like, you know, the actress Kim Dickens, who has appeared, you, you might not recognize the name, but if you saw her, you go, oh my God, she was in Lost and Friday Night Lights. Oh, and wow. yeah, you know, she's been, uh, she's, uh, she's, uh, oh, she's the lead in the new Walking Dead spin off. Yes. Yes, right? Yep. Or it's got the um it's got the Southland Tales trailer, which I reckon is a cracking trailer for a movie that really struggles. But I fucking love the trailer. Mm. You know <laughs> <laughs> So it's just a bunch of random things. I haven't updated it in ages, but I'm hoping that when this will inspire me to get onto it. Yes. And you'll be able to see everything from Kim Dickens to Viv Richards to the third trailer for the Dark Knight Rises yes. and all sorts of shit. Brilliant. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Justin Hamilton underscore is indeed human.